Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. I haven't been able to say Happy Mother's Day to you all, but um, we are so grateful for mothers. They are maybe one of the most unappreciated people in our lives because you can go day in, day out, and the things that they do go unnoticed sometimes. And uh, being my fault as well as, I'm sure, other guys and children would admit that it would be their fault too. You know, I don't know if you ever had a dog that was one of those dogs who, uh, they know how to escape everything you do. You put them in one crate and they escape it. And then you put it in another cage and you think that one's going to do it and you escape it. And then you go and buy, you know, a hundred dollar cage that's supposed to be indestructible. This dog cannot get out and it escapes. That's kind of how I feel about uh, preaching under 30 minutes. (laughs) It's kind of like that. That's very hard to do. But I will do my best to do that. Um, well, it is Mother's Day. And so I wanted to look up some fun facts for you about Mother's Day. I do want to say one more thing before I get started. Um, be in prayer for Ruthie and her kids as they travel tomorrow for the funeral. It is always hard, even though she was ready to go see the Lord. It's always hard to see for a loved one to die. And um, he was talking to me this week and, you know, he just he was happy but he was, you know, sad at the same time. So it's just, uh, it, it's great when you can say, see a saint, saint and they can say the faith has now become sight. But it's also hard because it's a loved one. And the curse of death is not only that we die, but it's the loss and the feeling that we have when we do lose those who we love. But some fun facts, transition to that, how you do that, but fun facts about Mother's Day. As people... People spend over $1.9 billion annually on flowers for Mother's Day, and 69% of all the gifts given are flowers. 13% of moms buy themselves flowers for the occasion. So, moms, if you're going to buy them, you need to talk to your husband. Ask him, what, what are you, what's, going, what's, do, what's going on? What's wrong about this situation here? 133 million cards exchange annually, according to Hallmark making it the third largest card-sending holiday in the United States. First is Christmas, second is Valentine's Day, third, Mother's Day. Phone calls increased up to 37% on Mother's Day, the biggest day for the phone lines. Um, There are approximately 2 billion mothers in the world with four babies born each second. That's a lot, so happy Mother's Day to them, right? Um, men with children spend three times less than men without children for gifts on Mother's Day. Figure, I don't figure that one out. I don't know. Um, the average spent on gifts is about $68. And mothers say the average that people should spend on them is about 62 So we're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Consumers buying gifts for moms to a tune of 56%, believed that the gifts should be on par with the labor she endured during birth. I don't think flowers are going to cut it, but I don't know. Um, 83% believe that texting mom a happy Mother's Day message is not good enough and completely unacceptable. So if you text your mom, you need to stop and you need to call her because you need to, one, help the percentage of the phone lines and... It's not acceptable. What are the most popular gifts purchased for Mother's Day? Number one is a gift card or certificate. And number two is flowers. 
What are the most popular gifts wanted by mom? Here's where they are. Number one, a spa day. And number two, I like this one, a nice meal. Just a nice meal. I just want a nice meal. I don't want to cook for once. So ramen will work, right? All going to have ramen. All right. 61% of moms think their family should spend money on a gift, and on the average it was $62. What not to get from mom? The least wanted gifts from mom are candy, chocolates, and flowers. And 30% of moms just want to spend Mother's Day with family. I think that would go well. I think that's, that's how my wife is. Just spend it with family, I think. I hope so. <laughs> 58% of those surveyed plan to get their spouse, a girlfriend, something, or girlfriend, or whoever, this Mother's Day. The top gifts spouses from the survey are a nice meal, a gift card or certificate, obviously, and jewelry. That's another one. But I, I, don't, I wanted to know a little bit about Mother's Day. When, I was, when Carl asked me to, he said that he might be gone, and he said he might get a call at midnight. Uh, he asked me, just be prepared. So I wanted to be prepared. And I wanted to understand, where did Mother's Day come from? I, I never knew some of this stuff, and maybe you haven't either. But Mother's Day's early incarnation, the roots of modern American Mother's Day, date back in the 19th century, in the years before the Civil War. Anne Reeves Jarvis of West Virginia helped start Mother's Day. I didn't know that. Another thing, the official Mother's Day holiday arose in the 1900s as a result of efforts Anne Jarvis, daughter of Anne Reeves Jarvis, uh, following her mother's death in 1905, Anna Jarvis conceived of Mother's Day as a way of honoring the sacrifices mothers made for their children. Interesting. The first state to celebrate Mother's Day was West Virginia. So good job. We, we started right, right? Woodrow Wilson put it in effect as a national holiday. And obviously, once it became a national holiday, it went commercialized. And everybody capitalized on it. And so Anna Jarvis spent the rest of her life trying to get rid of the holiday she created because she did not like the commercialization of the holiday. But, at the same time, she did, um, she did start something that we do honor moms. This morning, I'm not going to take a lot of time to go through this passage that I've picked out, but I want to remind mothers, wives, and widows, single women, and young ladies that you have a call much greater than being a mother. We do not meet on Sundays, necessarily, to celebrate Mother's Day. We are not here this morning to celebrate Mother's Day. Even though we are celebrating Mother's Day, we don't meet here for that. We meet here because we celebrate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why we come together. Mother's Day is a great holiday. Actually, I was thinking this morning, who put it on a Sunday? That's the busiest day, most hectic day of my, maybe I'm just being selfish, of of all the days of the week. And it's hard to think about Mother's. It's just hard because you're thinking about other things. I'm just, um, but it is, and it's important to celebrate mothers. But we are not here this morning to celebrate mothers. We're here to celebrate Christ. Just like every day of our lives, it's all about Jesus. We love moms. The best mom in the world is my wife. Since I'm up here, I get to say that. The best mom in the world is my wife. But it is not about her either. 
Moms, you have a call to be gospel-saturated and Christ-centered. You have a call to be sound in your theology, to be studiers of God's word, and to, be, to make petitions before God in prayer for your children and your husbands. You are called to love and submit to your husband above everything else except Christ. That is what you're called to do. And this morning, I'm going to pull out a few principles from Scripture about women in, the, in general. So if I say a lot about mothers, it's because it's Mother's Day. But this applies to all women. And actually, it applies to everyone here, not just women. And by God's grace and Lord willing, um, during the camp out, I'll get to preach on Father's Day. So if you feel like I'm, you know, tacky, I don't want to use that word, but encouraging you a lot heavier than the men, I will encourage the men a lot more on Father's Day. But we just want to see what is a mother's call? So take your Bibles and turn with me to Titus 2. Titus 2. This morning we're going to be looking at the passage, Titus 2, verse 3 through 8. And then we're going to break there and go from 11 to 15. Follow along as I read. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and to train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Skipping to 11, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory and of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for mothers. We're thankful for what they do, the sacrifices that they give day in and day out. But like we were mentioning before, it is not about the mothers. It is all about you. What you did on the cross for our sins, Father, and completing the whole work of our salvation. We are completely done. The old has gone and the new has come. And Father, as we search through Scripture, may it be convicting. May it illuminate the minds of these mothers to be godly mothers, to go after the call that you have given them, the task. Father, by your grace, and only by your grace, can we even accomplish such things? Because we know we are sinful, 
And we want what we want. We don't want necessarily what our kids want. Or it's hard to sacrifice those sometimes. But Father, that is what you called us to do. Father, we pray as we are here this morning to worship you. And Father, as, we, as I preach God's word, that you will not let it return void. But Father, that each person here will take it and count the cost of being a mother and being a disciple of Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul is saying that the older women need to be women of holiness. The first point is a women, a mother's call to holiness in verse 3. And it says that older women likewise are to be reverent and behavior, not slanders or slaves, too much wine. They are to teach what is good. Women are to be reverent and behavior. Some passages in Scripture sometimes just teach themselves. So I'm just going to go and uh, explain some of these to you, but it's probably nothing new. But, but women are to be reverent in behavior. I think that this goes back to the verses prior to, when it talks about the older men. And the older men, what does reverent behavior mean? And I think we can apply some of these verses to what a reverent behaved mom or a woman looks like. Some of these would be sober-minded. They are always have a control about their mind. They aren't searching or have something influence in their mind. It is only scripture. It is sober. They're thinking straight all the time. Dignified, which means they're respectful to others around you, including they're respectful to their husbands and to their kids. They have sound faith. They are well-educated. They are loving and steadfast. All these can be applied. I know they're not necessarily in the, that particular verse. But before that, we can see that these can be applied to these women. Women are also not to be slanders. They must have a reputation of not being a gossip. Using foul language and putting people down. Women shouldn't have that reputation. They should not have that among them. They should be people of respect. People should respect them because they don't use foul language, because they don't gossip among others. They don't go spread rumors or things that shouldn't be spread. They keep it, and they are trustworthy. And they don't put people down. They're always uplifting, encouraging one another. Really, all these could apply to everyone, but especially women. Women are not to be slaves to wine. They are have to have self-control in all areas of life. They are not to be a slave to something, especially wine. They are teachers of good and not evil. They teach what is good and they restrain from what is bad and what was not good. So to be a mother who is holy, all these things need to be true. A mother's call is to be holy and to holiness. Number two, a mother's call is also to be a discipler. A mother's call is to disciple their children. Verses 4 through 8. And it says, And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may be revealed. Reviled. Likewise, 
urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say. Women are to train both the younger women here as well as the sons. And we'll, I'll get to that in just a minute. But the women, what are women supposed to train the women? Well, first, they're supposed to train them to love and learn to love your husbands, their future husbands. Women, you have a call to come alongside the teen girls or other young women to teach them to love their husbands. Question, do you love your husbands at a different degree than your children? Is your love for your spouse more than your love for your children? You say, well, I mean, how do you divide that? You can't, but it's a different degree, different kind of love. It's a phileo, a love, a relationship. Do you respect your husband and submit to him like you are supposed to? That word is a bad word in our day and age, to submit yourself to something. We don't have to submit ourselves to anything, right? But do you submit? The Bible says to submit. Much of this training comes from a showing rather than telling. I could stand up here or someone could stand up here and tell you to, to love your husband. But the fact is, if you aren't doing it, that's what's being seen and not you telling them to love their husbands. Women, you are to love your husband with all respect, with all honor, with all, um, with all decisions, even if they're bad ones, which a lot of times they are. This is especially true when it comes to training your daughters. You are to love, teach them to love their husband, to respect them. Even when they're not being respectful to your mom, you stand up for your wife, husband's, because it is important that they love the husbands when they grow up and leave the house. If they see that you do not love your husbands, how are they going to listen to you? If they don't see that in your own house that you don't love your husband, why would I listen to you to tell me to love my husband? It doesn't make sense. It's funny, but many times you wonder why your kids are a certain way. You know, you, maybe they're messy or... But at the same time, one, they're kids. Two, at the same time, a lot of times it's the parents that have some of the tr- same traits or the same do the same ways. If not worse. Sometimes they're worse. And you see where these kids learn what... It's exactly the same thing. They learn to love their husband because their mom loves their husband. That's how they learn. Like other virtues mentioned here, this is, this is one unconditional. It is based on God's will and not the husband's worthiness. You say, my husband's not worthy to be honored. But guess what? God says to honor your husband. To love and teach them to love your husband. He might not be worthy of it, but you have a responsibility to teach them to love their husband. John MacArthur says it this way. To be a mother is by no means second class. Men may have the authority in the home, but women have the influence 
The mother, more than the father, is the one who molds and shapes those little lives from day one. It is the mother who does this. They train them to have self-control and to be pure. That's what mothers do. And train them to love their husbands. Women are also to be women are also to teach their children and to be workers at the home. Well, what does this mean? This does not prohibit women to work outside the home. It's not saying women you are not allowed to work outside the home. It's not saying that. But what it is saying and indicates that Paul expects wives, moms, women to carry the primary responsibility for the day-to-day care of their home and children. You have a primary responsibility of taking care of the home. My mom was someone who worked outside the home. Um, and she, we did it because financially we had to. And we were, you know, some days we would go and look through, rummage through the cabinets because we didn't even know um, what we were going to be eating the next day. But, she, so she worked. But, I can say about my mom is that there were always meals on the table, the house was always clean, and she always respected her husband. I can say that about my mom. Even though she worked outside the home, she knew her responsibility to be if it was, was at the home. And she didn't veer from that responsibility. Now, my dad did help a lot. When he was off, he would help clean. He would help, help with the kids. But the responsibility relies on the mom or on the w- women. By the way, moms, we even live in a day and age, like I said, there's nothing wrong with working outside the home. I wanted to get make that clear. But there's also nothing wrong with wanting to be a mom who stays at home. And I think in our day and age, it's to say, we all should be out working. We all should be having jobs. It's, you're just lazy if you stay at home. I want to say that's not true. I want to go back to John MacArthur because he says it so well. John MacArthur says this, Mothers, don't let anyone ever dupe you into thinking there's anything ignoble or disgraceful about remaining at home and raising your family. Don't buy the lie that you're, that you're repressed if you're a worker in the home instead of in the world's workplace. Devoting yourself fully to your role as wife and mother is not repression. It is true liberation. Multitudes of women have brought the world's lie, put on a suit, pick up a briefcase, drop their children off, for someone else to raise and gone into the workplace only to realize after 15 years that they and their children have a hollow void in their hearts. Many such career women now say that they wish they had devoted themselves to motherhood and the home instead. There's nothing wrong with working outside the home. At the same time, there's nothing wrong of working in the home. There's nothing wrong. And don't let anyone tell you differently. Moms, you have an important place in the home. And let them know that. So what does this mean? This means that you first serve the needs of your husband and then your children. Why? Because you remind them and teach them to love their children. As it said before, you love your husbands and then your children. Even in the Greek, it shows you that husbands come first before the children. It's amazing how Paul made that emphasis there. Why? Because it 
Because this means you must, if your husband, let's put it this way, if your husband likes a clean house, well, you should strive for a clean house because that's what he likes. If your husband likes a certain meal, well, you strive to, to make that certain meal on occasion. But let me put a note here. Husbands, this does not give you the right to bark out orders. It gives you the right to show love and grace to those mothers. It gives you the right to show them the respect to them. Because they are working hard. Don't, don't you get caught in the lie thinking that they stay at home and do nothing and watch soap operas all day. They don't do that. I'm so thankful for my wife who, and many times, I, as a, I fail at this, but many times I come home and don't even notice it. But the house will be clean. Zoe will be fed. She'll be, um, she'll be uh, bathed. And I don't have to change as many diapers. She'll even change diapers. When, even when I'm there, she'll change diapers. But, and so it goes so unappreciated. Like I said before, mothers are the most unappreciated people in our lives. Because of what they do day in and day out for the family. But, husbands, you have the responsibility. And children, kids, you have the responsibility to show respect to your parents. To show respect to your wives. And to demonstrate that love. But wives and mothers, you do have the responsibility to honor your husband. And to demonstrate that love. So that your kids and your children. Kid, your children, let's put it that way. Your children, that is the plural. The children may see that. It's all a demonstration. It's all what you do. It's not what you say. Many times we say that. It's what you do and not what you say. Because if you say one thing and don't do it, they, won't, they will disregard what you have to say. You must do it. It's your responsibility. Women also need to be submissive to their husbands. Supporting their husband's leadership in the role. While other instructions could be included, the focus here is on older women helping the younger women learn about being godly wives and mothers. Mothers, listen carefully. Do not disrespect your husband's authority in front of your children. Or anyone else. You never talk bad about them to anyone. Because they're your husband. They're the ones you love. They're the ones you want to show love and respect to. If you have a concern or a question about what they have said, do it privately. So that you guys can get them on the same page. When I worked at Starbucks, all the women and guys who had girlfriends or wives, um, one time they were saying, they always talked bad about their other significant person. They never really talked anything good about them. So I was wondering why we're even together. But that's, I guess, their relationship. And they always talked bad about them. And one time this girl came to me and said that, it was her, this direct quote. She said, you never say anything bad about your wife. You guys must have a perfect relationship. I told her first it was far from perfect. Um, but I do, I did tell her that it is my goal not to ever put down my wife. I want to respect my wife. Now I failed. Many times things that I mean as jokes end up being more of a, a disrespect to my wife. And I hear about it later. 
many times through the car ride. When you, when you have 20 minutes to flat top, there's a lot you can say in 20 minutes to flat top. But we need to lift shorter. That way you don't have much of a um, distance there. But, but I have failed. But my goal is not to disrespect my wife. I don't want to talk bad about her. Even if it's something I don't agree with. Even if it's something that is, makes me kind of mad of what she said. I don't show that because I want to respect my wife in front of others, especially my kids. Because they see it firsthand. And when you do, because you will, you know, have an outburst in front of your kids, apologize, ask for forgiveness, and show them that the gospel, and show them that, you know, mommy and daddies make mistakes too. And ask them for forgiveness. Just like you ask for your kids forgiveness. Or tell them to forgive others. Ladies, do not get caught up with this form of gossip. It is a form of gossip to go around and talk about your husbands in a disrespectful way. And honestly, it will wreck your marriage. Your marriage will have strife. Your marriage will not be as close as it could be if you have this. Why? That the word of God may not be reviled. The purpose of godly conduct is to eliminate any reproach on Scripture. For a person to be convinced God can save from sin... One needs to see someone who lives a holy life. How can you convince your children that God is the Savior, but you live a totally radical different life? When Christians claim to believe God's word, but do not obey it, the word is dishonored. Many have mocked God and his truth because of the sinful behavior of those who claim to be Christians. Women, like also, in verses 6 through 8, are supposed to teach their young boys. John Wesley wrote, I learned more about Christianity from my mother than all of the theologians in England. Think about it. Who was Timothy's most uh, beloved person who taught them? His grandmother and his mother taught him what he knew. Paul said it. Remember what you have learned from your grandmother and your mother. As boys, we learn more from our mother's theology, in one sense, than we will ever learn outside of that. And moms, you have a responsibility to teach them. Why? Well, you say, in one sense, in this time period, it would have been about the age before, about from birth to 12. Because, see, 12 was a significant time in, uh, in the Jewish culture. And that's when Christ... He had to go to the, the synagogue and he prayed. Remember that? That story? He was 12, about 12. Because 12 is the age of when they go from, one sense, a boy to a man. They learn the trade of their father. If he was a carpenter, he learned to be a carpenter. If he was a tax collector, he learned to be a tax collector. He learned these traits from his father. And he would um, do those. And many times, these traits would be the only learning that they would get. Now, as the father, it is the father's responsibility to teach them, teach their boys, teach their daughters. But women have an impact that most men will never have because they are in the home. They do take care of the home. And so they must teach them all of these virtues that it says. And 
another thing here is there's a, in the biblical times, I want to say biblical times, in that time period, 12, there was no adolescence. There was no youth group. It was either you're a child or you're an adult. There's no in-betweens. I was reading a blog the other day of getting rid of the youth group. We're not getting rid of the youth group. I wouldn't have a job. <laughs> I'm kidding. Getting rid of the youth group because, really, there's no, there shouldn't be a need. They should be able to go from child to adult. They should be able to make that leap to the greater things or the um, bigger things, the bigger theologies. Because of what they learn in the home, they should be able to apply it all of a sudden to their life. That is just the traditions of the Jewish culture. But we have one last thing. I have three minutes to get through. Here we go. Hold on. One last thing. A mother's call to the gospel. Last thing. The mother's call to the gospel. Although it is both the parents' responsibility to present the gospel to their children, moms have the biggest influence. If moms are the keeper of the home like they should be, then they probably spend the most time with their children. Susan Hunt says this way, Mothers, our daughters and sons, will be the products of their theology, their knowledge or lack of knowledge, and of, and of who God is and what He has done for them will show up in every attitude, action, and relationship. Their worldview will be determined by their belief system. We, teach, we must teach our daughters that their value and identity lie in the fact that they are image bearers of the God of glory. They will, they will protect them from seeking significance in the inconsequential uh, in shallowness of self-fulfillment, personal happiness, materialism, and others' approval. Our sons and daughters must know the wondrous truth that their overarching purpose is in life is God's glory. That's what we teach them. We teach them the gospel. You must be presenters and show them the gospel. Not only should we preach the gospel, but it is the grace of the gospel that allows us to do all of these things. In verses 11 through 15, it shows us these things. It is the saving grace that teaches those who believe to say no to sin and yes to godliness. It stresses that this godliness is to be lived out in the here and now and sets our future for the return of Christ. It puts in the light the fact that why, moms, you need to be doing what you are doing. And when those days come and you feel like you are underappreciated, because you are, you look, as it says in verse 13 through 14, waiting on the blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us for all lawlessness and to purify for himself for the people of his own possession who are zealous for good works. Moms, that is why... You do what you do. You do not do it to get the approval from your husband. You do not do it to get the approval from your kids. You don't do it to get the approval from society or the world. You get it because this is the important part. It is the gospel that we must teach our children. And you must teach them and you must show them the gospel. And when you get 
to the point where your husband doesn't appreciate you like they should, or your kids don't appreciate you like you should, and you feel like you're just a slave labor almost in one sense. Remember, you do it because God saved you. And you do it and you want your kids to see that God saved you. And you want to demonstrate that to them. We are mothers, you are you have a call to holiness, to be an example to those around you. You also have a call to disciple your children, to teach both your sons and your daughters. And mothers, you have a call to the gospel. And that is why you do what you do. This morning, if you are here, moms or anyone, and you have not placed your faith in, your, in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you are without the manual of how to be a godly mother. You cannot be a godly mother without the gospel first. You must repent of your sins and come to your knees at the Savior and the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you must humbly submit to the Savior. If you don't, and you don't do this day in and day out, moms, it'll be hard. And you will, you will struggle. And you'll feel like no one is with you. Remember, you do it to show them God's glory. That is why you do it. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for moms. But Father, we are more grateful that you sent your son to become a man, to live a perfect life. Father, to be beaten and scorned and to be treated unfairly. Father, you sent your Son to die for on our behalf, for our sins. We, we have nothing to say. There's no words that we can say that will uh, describe our, our feelings towards you and how grateful we are for you. Father, I do pray for each and every mom here. I especially pray for those moms who have never put their faith and trust in the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Pray for all those who have never done that. That this morning will be a time that they reconcile their sin with the Almighty Savior. Father, you are gracious to us. Father, at this time, you have opened the gates. You said the gates narrow and it's hard. But they're open. And someday you will close those gates. Father, I pray that they will repent of their sins before it's too late on this side of eternity rather than the other. Father, again, we are so thankful for our moms and what they do and help them, help us to appreciate them like they should be. We thank you so much for everything you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.